Hello world, welcome to the Political Worldview podcast, March 14th, 2018, the Italian Revolution edition. I'm Adam Quinn, Senior Lecturer in International Politics at the Political Science and International Studies Department at the University of Birmingham, England. I am joined, as I often am, by my co-host, Scott Lucas, Professor of International Politics and Editor of News and Commentary site, EA Worldview. How are you doing, Scott? I'm looking forward to learning from our special guest today, so that puts me in a great mood. Yeah, you've, you've been... Uh, uh, bouncing like a pinball around the building, attempting to field media inquiries related to both Donald Trump and uh, uh, Russian poisoning of, of, of nationals on British soil. But this is a, a moment of peace in your otherwise hectic schedule to focus on the national politics of one of our close European allies. As long as no one's trying to assassinate anybody in Italy right now, yeah, it'll be quite peaceful comp- comparable to what we've had this morning. Yeah, I, I don't think they're quite there yet, uh, but perhaps uh, whether it's in the pipeline we'll get to talking about. Um, as we've, we've given the game away, uh, listeners, because uh, uh, today our one big fat topic edition of Political Worldview is focused on Italy, uh, where it would appear that voters used the election of March the 4th to tear up the script, overturn the table, and dispense a punishment beating to the mainstream parties of the centre-right and the centre-left, empowering in the process populist parties with track records ranging from the thin to the alarming. Um, Our special guest for today's episode is Daniele Albertani a senior lecturer in European politics who has expertise both in Italian politics, indeed he is Italian, um, and in populist parties. So no one better to help us get our heads around this topic. Hello, Daniele. Thanks Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm, and, uh, I'm happy to be here. Friend of the podcast, you were here before. Yes. Like once upon a happier time for Matteo Renzi. Uh, <laughs> Talking about the constitutional referendum. Yeah, yes. like he, he wishes that his problems remained on the scale that they were, <laughs> at, they were at that time. So thanks for being with us. Okay, so at the start of this discussion, let's get some facts on the table because important though the Italian election is, all of our listeners may not have kept uh, kept mm-hmm. up with the with the exact numbers. So. Since the mid-1990s, government in Italy has alternated between a center-right alliance led by sleazy millionaire media tycoon uh, Silvio Berlusconi, who I guess is the most famous Italian politician beyond his own borders by some distance, and various coalitions of the center-left. Uh, The most recent of the latter is the government just leaving office, in which the largest party was the Democratic Party, led by Matteo Renzi. Um, This election has changed all that. The Democratic Party fell down to uh, just below 19% of the vote, a drop of 6.5%. Berlusconi's Forza Italia fell even further, down 7.6 points to 13.9. And the huge winner of the night was the Five Star Movement, which is a populist party whose slightly puzzling left-right orientation uh, we can come to in a moment, which was by far the largest party with 32% of the vote. The other big winner was the Lega, no longer the Lega Nord, just the Lega Party. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to that. Uh, or the League Party, uh, which is a right-wing populist party whose roots lie in campaigning for what we might euphemistically call a federal Italy uh, that grants its northern provinces more autonomy. They're up to 17.7%, which puts them... Uh, far ahead of Berlusconi, whose party they used to support as a junior coalition partner in a variety of administrations. So that, uh, that I think, gets the, the key facts on the table. Democrats and Forza down, Five Star and Lega very much up. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, it would seem clear, a signal that the voters are not in a good place in Italy. They're very upset about something. Mm-hmm. What is that something, Daniele? Why, mm-hmm. why are Italians using the electoral system to 
to lash out and vent in such a palpably frustrated way. Sure, I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Let me just uh, step back to 2013 first. Uh, it's actually the previous election which is the uh, transformation of Italy from a bipolar into a tripolar system. Uh, in 2013, you have the Five Star Movement asserting itself as the most successful new party, I think, in the history of Europe, because they went from zero to 25% in four years. They had only been created in 2009. And they uh, fielded a few candidates in local elections then, and, and in 2013, they are already up to 25%. The governments that you see afterwards are not uh, really centre-left governments, but you could say governments dominated by the centre-left, but uh, it's always through an alliance first with Berlusconi after 2013, and then after Berlusconi decided to pull the plug on that experience, a number of MPs who wanted to stay in government, so abandoned Berlusconi's party and, and created some kind of new entity in parliament to support the centre-left. So it wasn't a pure centre-left government. Even Gentiloni today is not. So this is to say that what has happened now in 2018 is a kind of radicalisation of what happened back in 2013. It's not new, but it's more radical because Five Star goes up again now to 32%, which I think, again, is quite unseen. Usually new parties, when they do very well, they, they, they tend then to suffer in the following election. It's that Five Star goes up again. Um, and what you see, which is certainly new, is that you have uh, not only the support for the, the, the left shrinking, but also, very importantly, the relationship between the parties on the right completely changes. Because, as you mentioned, the Lega... Uh, had always been uh, a minor partner within the right. Uh, really minor. I mean, if you look at, uh, for instance, 2008, Berlusconi's party was uh, four or five times the size of the Lega, not twice, four or five times. And now, with the new leader, Salvini, the Lega is the, becomes the dominant party on the right. That is also a big, big change. So, so voters yeah. clearly have a strong sense yeah. that like, whatever the previous party system was supposed to be delivering for them, as mm -hmm. far as they were concerned, it was failing badly enough that they saw it as their mission in this election yeah. to, as I called it in the introduction, dispense a punishment beating mm. to those parties. What are they so annoyed with? What is it that Italians want that, they're not, mm. that they weren't getting from the, from the parties so far? Well, when you look at the issues that uh, really concerned voters, um, then we, we can talk about why they concern voters so much and the extent to which also the media or some political leaders actually play the part in making these issues so important. Okay, But, but you look at the issues and, and immigration and the economy, well, it's a very top. And you can say that, uh, in, interestingly, uh, the Lega and the Five Star, which are the two winners of this election, Five Star got 32%, as you said. The Lega went from 4 to 17, 18, roughly, uh, almost 18. Um, and, and you could say they, they really represent two different kinds of losers of globalization. Uh, and you can say that just by looking at the geography of the vote. You look at the map of, of, of Italy now, and you see that the south is completely dominated by Five Star, with percentages of over 50%, in, for instance, in Sicily. Uh, it really reminds you very much of Christian democracy. 
two or three decades ago when they used to get a lot of support mm-hmm. in the South. The Christian Democrats were the, the dominant political party in Italy from the end of the Second World War up until the early 1990s yeah. when it, like, yeah. galactic scale corruption scandal yeah. brought them yes. down. Yes, it was a dominant party in every sense, a bit like the uh, PRI in Mexico. I mean, they've always been in government in the period that you mentioned, and there were a few satellites kind of orbiting around them. Mm. So you look at the geography of the vote, and you can clearly see that those who regard themselves, for very good reasons, as the losers uh, uh, of globalization in economic terms, many of them based in the South, uh, which uh, I would argue has been abandoned since Italy was unified 150 years ago, they vote for five star. In the North, uh, as has been for two and a half decades, the Lega continues to get votes in very, very productive uh, and, and even wealthy areas, but also uh, in some at the outskirts of some big cities and uh, in places where, where, where people are, are getting a bad deal. But mainly, mainly, it's still the provincial uh, north uh, of diffused industrialization. Now here, uh, it's much more a case of feeling that you're a loser in cultural terms. The world is, 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 is completely changing and has already changed around you. You don't understand why and how, uh, if you're in a small village uh, in the Veneto region, how come that all the shops uh, in the center of, of the village are, are shut down. They've built these massive supermarkets at the outskirts. And when I go there, everybody waiting outside and trying to sell me something is an immigrant. Mm. So people say, and when you do interviews with, with Lega activists, for instance, they really talk very much in terms of, uh, you know, we have lost control. That reminds you of the Leave campaign in the UK, right? It's a very important theme. It's, it's, uh, I'm not uh, able to uh, influence where my community is going anymore. Mm. Uh, so Salvini, who's taken over the Lega in, in recent years, has completely dropped uh, the discourse of federalism and has moved the party uh, in a direction that you, you could define it for, to simplify its kind of Italian Front National. So populist radical right, very much focused on, on migration, but also the defense of an identity and using the EU as a kind of uh, straw man, mm-hmm. of obviously targeted uh, every other sentence as, as a source of all uh, problems. So you still have this center-periphery uh, clash in, in its discourse, but the center is no longer Rome. Now, the periphery is Italy and the center is Brussels. Mm-hmm. Instead, with the previous leader, the center was Rome. Uh, initially, the Lega, by the way, in the 1990s was pro Europe, and he saw Europe as a way of weakening the power of the central state. Then it's really after the beginning of the center with the introduction of, of the euro. Uh, that they changed this course, uh, and already Bossi was, was quite radical on Europe. But Salvini has taken it to a different level in rhetorical terms uh, because Europe becomes a kind of source of problems in every sense, including the destruction of Italian identity. And you can see this very clearly also in his discourse on social media where he talks a lot about, uh, for instance, traditional food, our way of life, and he goes to the south of Italy to try different kinds of food. And, and all of that, is, it seems like uh, light-hearted, but it's not. He's making a very clear point. We have identities here, very different identities that we need to save. Mm. Okay, so let's, let's, take those, let's take those in turn then. Because um, mm-hmm. th- these are the two parties that have 
gained. They're the two yeah. parties that would therefore seem to have the strongest claim yeah. to making a yeah. like a, playing a leading yeah. role in some future government. Um, let's let's take Five Star first. Mm-hmm. As you said, they've came out of nowhere. Yeah, they've continued to make progress in two consecutive elections now. From how you describe their constituency, which is the disenfranchised and marginalized mm-hmm. Italian South, losers of globalization. I would guess that they would be then a left-wing populist party that wants to do a bunch of taxing and spending to put money in the pockets of people who feel like they're 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 on the outs under current economic trends. Um, so if they were to get into power, you would have a, a tax and spend left-wing mm-hmm. redistribution-oriented government. Is that is that what they are? Mm-hmm. Is there more to it than that? Um, if you look at their economic policies, yes. I mean, uh, one reason why uh, a lot of commentators say they've done so well is that they promised a basic income for everybody. Uh, they've just clarified now in the last few days that uh, you still have to look for work, and if you refuse like, through three successive offers of work, you will lose that. So it's not like forever and and without conditions, but uh, a basic income for everybody who is looking for work. Uh, sounds very good in certain parts of of the South where uh, unemployment is sky high and it has been for decades. Not to mention youth unemployment, because if you are young, especially if you are a young woman in the South, you can have all the master's degrees that you like. You're not going to find a job. Um, so um, they, uh, in, ter- uh, in terms of the economic proposals, very much. I mean, they, they do appeal to this kind of, of discourse, and that's why, um, you know, it's understandable. There are a lot of left-wing people who were, for a number of reasons, uh, upset with the PD, uh, have chosen to vote for Five Star. Uh, hmm. when but I, I sense yeah. a but. It is I not mean, as simple as I they're being left-wing. You could add to that, if, if you want to kind of briefly list the, the left-wing proposal, you could add, for instance, all they say about the environment, which clearly kind of comes out of, of the movements of the 70s and the green movements. What they say about direct democracy is also inspired very much by the left. Uh, the big but is... Number one, uh, their focus on, on uh, small businesses, the petit bourgeoisie, which clearly uh, puts them on a kind of collision course with Berlusconi and in competition with Berlusconi. They've been very, very strong on that. And it is original, I mean, in, to say the least, uh, coming from the left. Usually in Italy, the left has focused much more on employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been very, very strong on that. Uh, and second, uh, their discourse on, for instance, immigration. So although they, they, they never reach the uh, levels of the league, uh, they are not a left-wing party. Uh, so they, they don't talk about solidarity with, with people from the third world in the same terms that you hear from the traditional left. They're very, very critical of how uh, immigration is managed by the state. They're very critical of what they say the European Union has never done to help Italy. Um, so uh, it it is rather clear that the, what the, the way they try to keep uh, that thirty uh, percent of voters who are right wing and have chosen to vote for them on board is um, focusing on, on small businesses because mm-hmm. the petit bourgeoisie is traditionally on the right in Italy. A tough discourse on, on immigration and focusing on the failures of the state. Right. So, so they're they're in favour of more government spending and redistribution, yes. but focused on the in group that is. Italians, and that's not a group they want to expand 
no. with, with a whole bunch of new new incomers. So like, that's the the point at which people who are um, somewhat to the right and somewhat to the left can meet on, I, I guess, more redistribution for people like us, as it were. Yeah, I mean, as I said, they, they, they wouldn't reach the kind of the, the levels of the Lega, which, by the way, I mean, parenthesis, officially the Lega is only opposed to uh, illegal immigration. Right, they just want to make most but of it illegal. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when then you hear, <laughs> for instance, especially what Salvini says about mm. Islam, then you understand that, that you know, there, there is much more to it. Than yeah. That. We'll, we'll get, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to them in a minute. Mm-hmm. So, so another, one more question on, on Five Star, which is, you know, clearly a party that comes from nowhere, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. suddenly has a huge parliamentary representation yeah. could potentially be in government, has a big challenge on the workers, yes. how to deal with any kind of responsibilities mm. it might it might get. So we've seen examples in the past, for example, Pim Fortuyn's party that came out of nowhere in, in yeah. the Netherlands, was propelled into government, was totally unprepared, um, yeah. and that did not go great for them. They kind mm. of burned out. I believe that Five Star has, in some local areas, acquired some degree of Elected office and responsibility. Rome and Turin. Yeah. So, is this a movement that has made make meaningful progress towards being fit to run stuff? Are Mm -hmm. these people who are ready to take on the responsibilities of government, Mm. or are they still a protest party at an early stage in any transition to, to being able to be taken seriously? I mean, to be fair to the Pim Fortune list, uh, it doesn't happen every day that your leader is shot dead uh, two weeks before the election. But uh, um, I can see the 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 parallel there. if you look at how Five Star selects their MPs, it's done online through you know, an online vote among members. If you look at the uh, what is called the Capo Politico, uh, which is a new figure they've introduced in their non-statute uh, recently, uh, and it's also their candidate for Prime Minister Luigi Di Maio is uh, 31, and he doesn't seem to have any experience apart from since a few years ago, uh, being becoming a parliamentarian for the Five Star. Um, the point of Five Star, indeed, is precisely to bring ordinary people into parliament and into government with the proviso that they can only serve for two terms. And then they have to do something else because somebody else will have to come in. So what you're talking about is the essence of Five Star. The idea is precisely to bring people... Amateurism as yeah. ideology, yes, essentially. absolutely. So people who are not professional politicians. Of course, they'll bring other experiences, and if you look at the governing team that Di Maio has put together, almost all of them come from universities or professors and people who have expertise in different areas. But when you look at their MPs... Uh, they, 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 they come from all sorts of places. Uh, certainly they are not people who usually have a long experience in politics. So some of them have a, a bit of experience or, or even a long experience in, in, in volunteering and, and working in, in associations. So what you say is precisely the point of Five Star. Uh, is that going to be a problem? Well, it seems to have been a problem in Rome, certainly, which is an incredibly complicated city to run. Uh, and it was full of problems when they took over. Uh, so it was w- would have been a challenge for anybody. And they haven't done a good job at all. Uh, Romans are overall very unhappy. Why is it that hasn't translated into into kind of a lower vote compared with 2013? That is a, that is a very interesting question. There seems to be now a, really a, a completely different uh, political environment in Italy whereby over you know uh, one fourth about one third of voters now identify with five star 
So the, the kind of identification seems to be very strong at the moment. So it doesn't really even matter that when they had responsibility to run a city, they didn't do very well. Is that going to be a problem? I think it is going to be a problem, not just because of their inexperience, but I think also because of their lack of an ideology, or if you don't like that word, let's call it something else. But anyway, the problem is they do not share much apart from uh, wanting to completely or uh, dismantle the political system and being very angry against the corruption of the political system, which is fair enough. I mean, th they got some good reasons for that. But apart from that, uh, th there are, as I said, quite, uh, quite a large number of them that are left-wing and, and a large minority, but which is anyway about one-third, who are right-wing. And, and mm. where you are in opposition, it's easier to keep them together. When you start allocating resources, it becomes more difficult. Yeah. Uh, speaking of right-wing minorities... Um, People who have, I think, less issue with division in their internal ranks would be the Lega Party. Yes. Like they, yes. they have been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they have a pretty, they have, they have a pretty clear racket going with a combination of reactionary cultural nationalism of the kind that yeah. you described, combined with a kind of appeal to the idea that the North is a prosperous region that should yeah. be able to uh, spend more of its money on itself, essentially, which is a good message to sell. A, a richer, a richer kind of voter than you would sometimes get for yeah. a, a reactionary right-wing party, and anti-immigration sentiment being the flavor of the day in Europe these days, they they have that going for them too. But this party, I mean, you've alluded to it like a couple of times. They um, they don't mess around with this stuff. Like you get parties in various parts of Europe who flirt with the idea of being like, tough on immigration and a little bit to the cultural right. These people really do seem to be putting a very robust agenda on the table. They're talking about cleansing Italy of large numbers of illegal immigrants, they yeah. say, but yeah. presumably to work out who's illegal, you're going to have to do a pretty thorough sweep that makes life pretty bad for, for all immigrants, etc. They, um, you know, to the outside eye, they seem a little fascist-esque, if not actually fascist. Mm -hmm. uh, like, wh why are they doing so well, do you think? How, it, does no one have pause for thought that maybe this, this kind of agenda is a little um, uh, sinister? Unfortunately, such a kind of discourse on immigration in Italy is becoming, if, if not uh, dominant, but, but you know, very mainstream. And uh, one reason for that is precisely that the Lega has been saying these things now for 25 years. Uh, the enemies changed. I mean, originally it was actually southern Italians. Then it became northern Africans since the beginning of the 80s, be uh, end of the 80s, sorry, beginning of the 90s, when, when the numbers of northern Africans increased. Then it became Albanians for a short period when the Albanian state collapsed and, and, and we saw the boats not from northern Africa to Italy but crossing the Adriatic Sea. And then it became Muslims after 9-11. So, I mean, the, the target has changed, but uh, the Lega has always uh, focused very much on the issue of defending the community from outsiders. Until recently, the community was northern Italy with the new leader has become Italy as a whole. So his discourse now, he never, Salvini almost never mentions the word North. Mm. It's always about Italy now. Um, I'm afraid that, you know, a lot of the things that he says uh, have become very mainstream. So he, even, he can even say them on television. Now, officially, as I said, officially the discourse is 
entirely focused on illegal immigrants. There, there are a fair amount of them, and, and uh, as we know, there are people who uh, enter Italy, but they really want to go to uh, Germany, for instance, Holland, so this kind of transit country. Um, and there are certainly problems of law and order in some cities in Italy, and when you look at the the people who are arrested for crimes such as uh, um, for instance, armed robbery or prostitution, uh, you get a, a fair percentage of, of uh, migrants. Usually, a great majority of illegal migrants. So there is an issue there that the left simply doesn't talk about, doesn't address, doesn't want to talk about. Now, this is obviously used by the Lega to redefine this discourse about defining uh, the identity of Italians against external threats, uh, which are now posited to be coming uh, from this kind of uh, globalized world, uh, this mysterious kind of conspiracy of the EU and, and multinational corporations that are trying to uh, move huge amounts of, of people from the south of the world into Europe to get cheap labor and destroy our identities and create the uh, the United States, basically. Now, again, this is not original. Bossi, the previous leader, were re was already talking about this 20 years ago. But Salvini has focused almost entirely on this. So we don't want to be the United States. So we want to have identities, cultures, traditions. And uh, uh, and that's what he's focusing on. Uh, and as I said, when you look at the data, immigration is at the very top of people's concerns. And in the north, immigration and law and order are at the very top. And he's always talking about immigration in in, in the framework of, of, of a discourse on law and order. Obviously, what never gets mentioned are the huge amounts of people who keep the northern uh, factories afloat mm. and are coming from Africa, because one third of the workforce now. Uh, is people from Africa who, who work in the mm. factories. They are invisible. Invisible. You never hear about them. I mean, uh, as, as an America guy, you'll be unsurprised that as you describe some of the sentiments uh, that, that are appealing to these people, uh, Donald Trump's coalition springs yeah. to yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, cultural reactionary uh, ideas, a racial subtext yeah. that is barely concealed, an appeal that the right doesn't always have to the blue-collar working class, like rooted via that kind of thing. But yeah. one of the other angles that's kind of peculiarly interesting here is the Russian one that I want yeah. to come to. Um, we all know that Russia, Vladimir Putin's regime, uh, has taken an interest in elections throughout the West in yeah. recent times, trying to stoke uh, as much instability as possible. And usually their vehicle to doing that has been to try and boost um, like angry nativist uh, movements of the left, sorry, of the right, and uh, you know, anti-capitalist movements of the left in some kind of pincer movement, uh, mm -hmm. as it were. Mm -hmm. But Italian politics has been unusual in that it's been, its mainstream parties have been unusually pro-Russian by the standards mm -hmm. of much of the world. Like Silvio Berlusconi uh, used to go and have great times yeah. hanging out with Vladimir Putin, who he describes the personal friend, yeah. way before all this was an issue. This, yeah. this, this guy yeah. Salvini, who's the leader of the, the, the Lega, is like going on trips to Moscow, yeah. being photographed in love-ins, essentially, with, with, with Vladimir Putin. Uh, his party has signed some kind of accord with Vladimir Putin's party in Russia. So he's, he's taking an already unusually pro-Russian political system and still managing to find a position for 
himself as unusually pro-Russian with, within mm. that. Like, how should we, given the, the, the profile of Russia as a specter hanging over European politics these days and the politics of the West, like, how, how seriously should we take this? How concerning is, is this um, dimension? It, well, it's interesting you mentioned Berlusconi. For, for Berlusconi, it was also a way of playing the part of the kind of a global leader. And, and, and Berlusconi always loved to mention when you know, he met Obama or he met this or met that because he gave him the opportunity to, pr- to pretend that he had an influence that obviously he's never had. Uh, in the case of Salvini, the, the leg has been very, very explicit about the fact that uh, the uh, European Union should drop the sanctions against Russia. Uh, if you interview rep- legal representatives, they, they will tell you that uh, these sanctions are damaging the North uh, in every sense. I mean, kind of exports of, of, of food, for instance, uh, exports of, of manufacturing goods, manufactured goods. So they're, 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 there's nothing kind of hidden there. As you say, I mean, he's been to Russia twice. He's all, all over Facebook and Twitter. Uh, he's very, very uh, open about the fact that... Uh, in, in his view, uh, Europe should uh, drop these sanctions and and understand that you know Putin has kind of um, looked after his own interests, but uh, Europe has every every interest possible in having a much better relationship with Russia. Now, what's going on there, which is uh, hidden? Um, I'm not sure, but but the relationship is very much in the open, right? Mm-hmm. So, going to another dimension outside Italy. I mean, there were some commentators here in Britain that said, oh my gosh, this is it. Italy's going to leave the EU. Mm -hmm. I think starting from the premise that some of the parties that you talk about start from a focus that Brussels is, in fact, the enemy now, rather than Rome. Do Whichever way domestic politics runs in Italy, is there a chance that you will get a coalition that will look for an Italian version of Brexit? Mm-hmm. Or is it all talk and little substance at this point? It is It is clearly the case that, uh, unlike uh, just 15 years ago now, there are a very large number of Italian voters who dislike uh, the EU, especially the Euro. And the right has always been very good at blaming Prodi for the introduction of the Euro. And Prodi is uh, uh, the only one who's beaten Berlusconi in, in elections twice, in fact, in the last 20 years. Uh, and he was a former uh, head of the European Commission, uh, then went back to, to Italy and went back to domestic politics. Um, and when the Euro was introduced, uh, Berlusconi, even in his, his uh, second government of 2001, was very keen to use it uh, as an excuse for the failings of the Italian economy, saying this is Prodi's Euro, because it was Prodi who kind of led Italy into the Euro at the end of the 90s. So this is because it has been there for, for a while, uh, but it is true that it's been very much radicalized. And if you look at the rhetoric, there is no doubt that especially the Lega, uh, much more than Five Star, uh, has very kind of radical rhetoric on the fact that Europe, for instance, doesn't work. But not even the Lega talks about getting out of the EU. Not even the Lega. Let alone the Five Star that has even uh, dropped the, any, any, any idea of, of leaving the Euro well before this election. Now, 
uh, why is it that now even the Lega talks about coming out of the Euro? I think the, the situation of Italy and the UK are very different, um, apart from the history, of course. Uh, I think the, the fact that the UK had an empire, in my view, has played quite a part in the Brexit uh, referendum. But apart from that, uh, if you look at Italy's second manufacturing power in, in the EU after Germany, and where do most of the ex- exports go to the rest of the EU? And uh, where are these things made? Uh, 80% in northern Italy, which is where the Lega used to get 30, 40% even 15 years ago. So, can you leave the euro without leaving the EU? No. If you read the treaties, that's not possible. Can you hold an advisory referendum? That's all, in my view, that's all talk. Because, uh, first of all, you can't. So you have to first pass legislation to hold an advisory referendum and this legislation would immediately be be challenged with a referendum because uh, it's basically you are changing the constitution they will not get a a qualified majority so the left would immediately challenge so before having the referendum referendum. before the referendum you would hold a, a, a referendum whether right. you can hold that referendum, because right. this is a constitutional change. Right, so the basic gist right. is whoever designed modern Italy didn't want people doing this kind of thing, so... No, they, 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 they didn't want... No, the, what they didn't want was to have referendums on international treaties. Hmm. They wanted Parliament to be in charge of that. So, because the Constitution says that, it's very clear, to have a referendum on the Euro, you have to first change the Constitution. But the Constitution also says that to change the Constitution, you need a qualified majority. If there isn't a qualified majority, then there will be a referendum mm. to, to give it to the people to decide. So you would have a referendum to decide whether to have a referendum on the euro. I mean, all of this is, in my view, a complete science fiction because in the meantime, the markets, international markets, would react. Mm. And Italy relies entirely on international markets to find the money well, to right, fund its right. debt, which is 130% of GDP. And when Silvio Berlusconi left government for the final time, that was basically under a full-court press of pressure from external actors saying, yeah. look, this this guy's leadership is no longer tenable. Yeah. He's got to go, and we will keep ratcheting up the economic pain until that happens. Yes. I mean, which... Um, on the one hand, that shows the leverage outsiders have over Italy. On the other hand, it, it, that particular episode underlined just how important Italy is as an actor. I think mm. sometimes people have it in their head because it's not in the absolute front rank of countries people monitor internationally that Italy is like not that important. Like it's not the United States, it's not France, sure. it's not Germany. But on the other hand, like it's not Spain, it's not like Greece. Like Italy's economy is I think maybe the seventh largest in the world. Yeah. Um, it's the, the amount of debt that its government holds is a, a very third, large the part. Third, of third largest after the United States and Japan. Right. So the I amount of it, so, so the amount of Italian market. treasury bonds that are yeah. circulating is it's very large. large. If any problems were to arise that yeah. drew into doubt Italian credit, then yeah. that's a that's potentially the seeds of a wide-reaching international it crisis. It can be saved. It's yeah. too large to be saved, but also too large to let go. So who runs... <laughs> the, so all of which is to say that who runs this country yeah. is significantly more important to the wider world than who runs any number of uh, smaller sure. European countries. And the fact, therefore, there is a parliamentary majority consisting of what might, to the outside yeah. observer, look like irresponsible people yeah. um, is a worry. Yeah. Uh, is there I mean let's talk about that economic dimension real quick you talked a little bit about five star with the idea of 
all right, the guaranteed income. So there's a, a strategy for welfare, as it were, a provision. Is there any type of economic or industrial strategy coming out of either Liga or Five Star that starts to say, look, this is what we can do in terms of manufacturing base. This is what we can do in terms of coming out of what has been a fairly protracted recession yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in Italy. Or is it just all talk right now? I mean, Italy's been talking about reforming its economy for like exactly. pretty much my entire life. Every, yeah. every, everyone's come into yeah. office with some kind of game. They're talking about that, yeah. and it never seems to happen. The interesting thing now is that uh, the, the side that would introduce those reforms that the uh, international markets and the EU would love is actually the left. And it's, it's a Partito Democratico, which has gone to an extent down that path. And that's the party that in the last elections uh, basically only gained votes from, from rather wealthy parts of Italy. Mm-hmm. That's turned into the party of the bourgeoisie. And then you have on the other side uh, other parties, particularly the League and uh, Five Star, that are being very good at voicing also the anger of, of people who are not that well off. So you've got a complete kind of revolution of what you understand as left and right. In terms of uh, what they would do, I mean, it's quite clear for what we can see that the Five Star, um, uh, first of all, I mean, it, it's, it's less re- irresponsible than it might sound from abroad in the sense that if you, if you look at, uh, at the last few years, and especially the last few months, there is really a process of m- moderation there and institutionalization, which is very, very obvious. And if you look at the governing team that uh, Di Maio has assembled, uh, which is only for symbolic purposes because he hasn't been given the job to form a government, but uh, just to send a signal, as I said, he's taken all of them from the professions and the universities, and these are very, very moderate people. Well, of course, we approve of that deeply here. What better the, group the, of the, people the to run a country right? than that? Uh, we know that he's a serious, responsible person <laughs> because he's getting the academics involved. So, um, uh, if, even if you look at the... Um, what he's proposing is basically classic centre-left uh, policies in economic terms. The state has to invest more, especially in the South, but not just the South, to support a kind of rebirth also of industry. Uh, problem is, of course, uh, that we are in the euro, and so the deficit cannot be above 3%, and so they have to find ways to go around that. But it's not very original as an economic kind of set of proposals. The, the, the Lega is much more radical because it, the Lega and Berlusconi are, are proposing a flat tax. And the Lega brings it down really to 15%, 1.5. Now, that would be a revolution because taxes are high in Italy. And their argument is the classic right-wing one. If you bring it down dramatically, consumption will go through the roof, mm-hmm. investment will go through the roof. In, in a year's time, the taxman is going to get more than before. Right. Classic, classic. I've heard that argument from the yeah. Republican Party in the yeah. United States many times. Yes. We're still waiting uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> some decades later on, on, yes. on its success. Yes. Uh, so in that, in that sense, that is quite different because uh, it's quite clear that the five-star looks uh, to the left in economic terms. Mm-hmm. I assume yeah. that that divergence between economic approach between Liga and five-star would be a barrier to any type of coalition? Or that, yeah, the, and the second problem, which is a huge problem, is that although Salvini never talks about the North, that is where the strength of the Lega is, right? And they are ruling Lombardy, they are ruling Veneto, the, he's got these governors who, who are in charge of these regions, and he has subcontracted defending the North. 
to regional leaders. But that's where the strength of the Lega is. And a lot of people who voted Lega, they are happy that Salvini talks about Italy because he's delivering huge success. But deep down, especially the activists, are the same as 10 years ago. It's the same people. They care about the North and they feel the North has had a very bad deal. Now, if you put them together with Five Star, that has got 50% in the South, and now Five Star has to deliver. How long are they going to get along before this becomes a huge problem? Right, because tax, they have to yeah, find the money somewhere. Tax and spend redistribution to yes. the South is yeah. not an easy message to sell to the Lega's voters. It's so. the opposite of what the Lega has argued under yeah, the previous like, leader this is literally for 25 years. The reverse of what we elected you to do could be the view. Yeah. The view that I take. think that is the problem because they could find an agreement on other issues. But on this mm-hmm. one... And we go back to what I said, allocation of resources, right? <laughs> so the last question then, which that tees up in many ways, like we've, we, we've got these two parties that have increased their share. We've got a couple that have, that have lost part of their share, but no one has a majority yeah. in parliament. There's got to be a government of some kind or another election. Yeah. What's go- and many of these parties have said that they won't work with one another, which complicates mm. things. What's going to happen here? Mm. Or what, what are the plausible possibilities as opposed to the science fiction? Y- yes, you really need a crystal ball here uh, because uh, these three uh, blocks are really quite well balanced now. Uh, five Star on its own, center-left alliance, weaker but uh, uh, as an alliance uh, still considerable. And, and uh, the largest alliance is the center-right, although... Uh, the Lega is much smaller than Five Star because Five Star stood on its own in the election. Uh, So uh, each block uh, cannot govern and uh, it's clear that the left anyway are are the losers so they don't even expect the President of the Republic to ask them to try to form a government. The first shot has to be given to either Five Star or the right-wing coalition. Whether the President will choose one or the other depends on the are called consultazioni in, in Italy. So he, he's going to talk to all the political leaders before taking that decision and pick the person that he thinks has m- more of a chance of having a majority. Um, at the moment, uh, th- there was a lot of talk, and there's still a lot of talk, about the left, especially Partito Democratico, supporting the Five Star uh, to avoid uh, ending up with a right-wing government, um, maybe just uh, providing external support. Uh, the outgoing leader Renzi has said that is suicide and a lot of people uh, in the following days have said the same. From the perspective of the Partido Democratico, I think they are right. Uh, that's just my opinion. But I think that uh, playing second fiddle now to Five Star would be a suicide. Five Star refused to enter government with the PD in 2013 when it would have been the minor partner. Now the PD becomes a minor partner after being defeated so clearly. I mean, we, for, the, for a party that hasn't got no leader, no identity, no policies, that really seems to be a, a really bad, bad choice. So uh, if that doesn't happen, then the only possibility of a government is, is led by politicians will be an agreement between Five Star and either the right as a whole or possibly only Salvini's Lega. It's not really in the interest of Five Star because, as I said, the majority of people voting for them are really left-wing. And Salvini is very radical, as you mentioned. It's not like centre-right. But I don't think it's in the interest of Salvini either because finally, after 25 years, the Lega now uh, has domination uh, within the right. So are they going to basically, again, uh, create a government which is going to be a compromise with such a large party or is he going to wait and hope that if there are elections in one, two, three years' time, this time he 
he's going to win. Because if he's going to win, he's going to be prime minister if he has a majority. So it's not in his interest either. So something that could happen is uh, some kind of what is called a government of the president. We've had this kind of governments before several times in Italy, so they are not unseen. The president starts twisting a few arms after it's clear that there is no majority and forces a large coalition to support some kind of government for a limited period to do a number of things like address some uh, urgent economic issues, maybe change the electoral law again, which we change every couple of years. Maybe this time go back to a system that would give a bonus of seats to the dominant party so that whoever gets 30% next time will get a majority of seats and, and then maybe have fresh elections. That is a possibility, right? Or another possibility is that, that such government starts as a temporary one, and ends up governing for five years, which is, again, not unseen in Italy. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> uh, I think we've set the world to rights. Thank you very much. You can follow the Political Worldview podcast on Twitter, at Poll Worldview. Please do. Uh, please also subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. We really, really like it when you do that. It helps people discover the podcast. You can also leave us a rating or a comment, but even a subscription is good enough for us. Please do it. Share us on social media as well. Tell people that you listen to the podcast, that it's worth worth their time to give it a try. And you can uh, like our show page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash poll worldview, where you can get links to the show, etc. Um, and also find me pretty readily. Our participants today have been Daniele Albertazzi. Thank you very much for your time. For Where can people me. find you on social media? Uh, Dr. Albertazzi UK. DR Albertazzi. DR Albertazzi UK on Twitter. And yes. that's uh, A L B E R T A Z I. You look like you were uh, reaching for it, the back of your own resources there. But, uh, good job. I don't spell it uh, <laughs> Scott, where do people find you? I'm at Political Worldview's partner, the news and analysis website EA Worldview, eaworldview.com, or always camped out on Twitter at ScottLucas underscore EA. I'm Adam Quinn. You can find me on Facebook, standing next to Lyndon Johnson in my profile picture, Adam Quinn 161, if you want to do it by the numbers. I'm also on Twitter, at uh, Adam James Quinn, but that's for uh, Russian bots. So uh, much more action going on as far as, as far as I am concerned on Facebook. Find me there. Uh, our producer is Connor McKenna, and you've been listening to us from the Pulses Department at the University of Birmingham in England. Thanks to the Pulses Good Ideas Fund for their financial support. Always grateful to them. Uh, we'll be back soon. We very much hope you will be and Italy will be too. Bye. Until next time. Goodbye.